So this is the second uh, part of our summer series that we're calling Verses We Love to Ignore. This series this summer, we're going to take a look at some of the verses that sometimes, intentionally or not, we overlook or don't pay close attention to or skip past. But here at West Main, we believe all of God's word is important, and we want to be faithful at looking, at studying, and implementing all of Scripture into our lives. So with that in mind, last week, I got to talk about last week. Last week was great, right? Vaughn came up here, and he delivered a great message on how we need to be followers, not fans of Jesus, right? Um, I wasn't here to be able to see that. Uh, in fact, we had Vaughn's niece, Kiki, we and her and a, a few other kids, 11 of us total, were uh, on a mission trip in Seattle, so we weren't able to see that, but we had some free time on Wednesday afternoon, and Kiki comes up to me, and she says, let's watch Uncle Vaughn. I said, that's a great idea. So here we are on my phone, sitting in the dining room watching, watching Vaughn, and man, it was great. Thank you, because it was a message that us 11, we needed in the middle, in the middle of uh, our mission trip there in Seattle. So you gave us a great pick-me-up in the middle of the week. So thanks for being there short notice. We really appreciate you doing that. The week before that, part one of this series, we talked about... Uh, the dangers of gossip and how we could replace gossip in our lives with much more healthier conversations. And during that talk, we touched on this first part right here. Words have tremendous power. It's important enough that we say it again this week. Words have tremendous power. In fact, God created everything just with his words. In the beginning of the Bible, in Genesis chapter 1, says this, then God said, let there be light, and there was light. Then God said, let there be a space between the waters to separate the waters of the heavens from the waters of the earth. Then God said, let the waters beneath the sky flow together into one place so dry ground may appear. And that is what happened. Then God said, Let lights appear in the sky to separate the day from the night. Let them be signs to mark the seasons, days, and years. Then God said, let the waters swarm with fish and other life. Let the skies be filled with birds of every kind. Then God said, let the earth produce every sort of animal, each producing offspring of the same kind, livestock, small animals that scurry along the ground, and wild animals. And that is what happened. Then God said, let us make human beings in our own image to be like us. They will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. And then furthermore, John reminds us of the power of God's word at the beginning of his gospel. So at the beginning of John chapter 1, John says, in the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God, and God created everything through him. And nothing was created except through him. The Word gave life to everything that was created, and his his life brought light to everyone. The light that shines in the darkness, and the, I'm sorry, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. 
So here we see that not only are God's words powerful enough to create, but that word, notice word in, in John, it's capitalized, right? A capital W. John's referring to Jesus. Because God created through his words, through Jesus. This is important because Jesus would come later on to relate to us as a, as a man who used his words to teach and to heal and to explain the way to salvation through trusting in him. So as we read how powerful, how powerful God's words are, we have to remember, excuse me for the sniffles, allergies, promise. And since uh, we were created in his image, our words are also powerful. If you look at Proverbs 18.21, it says, Words kill and words give life. They're either poison or fruit. And then you know this next part's important because it's got a minus sign in front of it. You choose. It's not a minus sign, it's a dash, I know. Words kill, words give life. They're either poison or fruit. You choose. So God chose to use words to create. Jesus chose to use his words to help and to heal and to teach and to love people. And Paul gives us further guidance on how we should use our words. That brings us to our first verse that we love to ignore for today. It's Ephesians 4.29, and it says, Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful, so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. Let's read that again. Don't use foul or abusive language. I'm already offended. Let everything you say be good and helpful. This is already hard. So that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. The message version of this verse says, watch the way you talk, let nothing foul or dirty come out of your mouth. Say only what helps, each word a gift. Now those two words there in the message, foul and dirty, foul meaning putrid or rotten, and dirty meaning intentionally hurtful or abusive. So what does that look like when it manifests itself in our lives? It looks like name-calling, Guilty. Trading insults. Guilty. Put-downs. Guilty. Labeling. Guilty. Ridicule. Mockery. I want to talk about those two kinds of dirty and foul words. Let's start with that first, uh, the obvious ones. No secret that people use curse words, right? And I hope I'm not getting anybody in trouble, but students use them too. It's just easier for me to correct them. So I'm going to tell you, and I'm going to give you an example of how I correct kids. So usually, if a kid uses a curse word in front of me, I'll correct them. And usually I get something back like, my bad, or I'm sorry. But sometimes I get a student that says something like, why are you mad? It's just a word. And man, when they say that to me, hey, if you're a parent, if you're a teacher, if you're somebody that has any kind of influence over a child right now, and they say that to you, why it's just a word? Man, you better be walking up like Babe Ruth, calling your shot, because you're about to hit one out the park, because they just threw you a 
slow pitch over the plate. See, these words are not just words. These bad words mean something. There are certain words in every language that are rooted in filth, malice, and anger. In fact, studies show that we use bad words when we want to vent, when we're angry because we want, it's a way for us to vent anger or frustration. Now, it's completely okay for you to vent anger and frustration, but as followers of Christ, we have to do that in a way that best represents Christ. When we look at the words, at the, when we look at these bad words in light of who Jesus was, he didn't use that kind of language because those words have the ability to damage relationships. And those, have, those words have the ability to damage your reputation. As Christ followers, we need to strive and we need to fight to be a good example even with our words. This includes things like name-calling, ridicule, mockery. Very obvious, right? Don't do that. Very obvious, those words should not come out of our mouth. But the second type of dirty and foul language, it's a bit more complicated. I quit social media about two years ago. Let me tell you why. For as good as social media can be, for keeping up with family and friends, that's what most of us do with it, right? It's a hundred times as bad for labeling, for put-downs, for arguments, to show your pride and to ridicule people. And I would just feed into that. I would spend hours a night just, oh, that's a good one. Oh, got him good. That's a bad word. And I never was a poster. I, I mean, that's not my style. I never would post anything. But I would just keep scrolling and looking for drama and looking for, for gossip and looking for rumors, just going through and going through. And I would feed on this garbage. I was entertained by it. And then before I knew it, I'd look up and it was 2 a.m. And here I am like Michael Jackson at the beginning of Thriller, just, just checking out all the drama and all the garbage. And here's the thing. We have a saying at youth, and we've, we've talked about this in here before. We say garbage in, garbage out. Meaning what you choose to take in, unless it goes through the correct filters, it's going to come out as garbage. Now, this isn't my attack on social media. Many of you use it for good. I'm just not good enough to use it for good, so I quit using it. But I do think social media is an accurate representation of what people are really like. It's an accurate representation of what their hearts look like because it's a lot easier for us to hide behind a keyboard or hide behind our phones, and we don't have to confront people face-to-face because when we confront people face-to-face, we're not as real, right? But when we can just put a post down or even make a fake profile to just say what we want to say, to use words to hurt, it really shows our hearts. Basically, when we're looking through social media and we want to offend somebody because they've offended us, we've taken that offense, and guess what? Time for me to make you mad. So what do we... What do we do with this instruction from God to avoid that kind of language? See, it's not just enough to stop doing something. I tell our kids this all the time. 
if we're going to take something that we don't like in our lives, if we're going to take it out, we better find something to replace that with. Because as you take something out, there's a hole in your heart. Right? I enjoyed... Part of us enjoys using that language or else we wouldn't do it. Right? Part of us enjoys doing things that we know aren't good. So if we take those things that aren't good for us out of our heart, we better replace them with something good because if you leave that hole there, it's going to be, unless you're intentional about it, it's very easy for something else bad to creep in. And that's why Paul writes in our second verse that we love to ignore, Colossians 4, 6, he says, Let your conversation be always full of grace. Seasoned with salt, so that you may know, so that you may know how to answer everyone. I told you at the beginning of the series that we're going to ask you to do some hard things this summer, and I think choosing our words is one of the hardest things we have to do because words just come naturally. We have to be. It's going to be hard because it goes against our default. Our default is to be pro is to be reactive instead of proactive. But we have to replace our foul, hurtful language with graceful, helpful language. Thankfully, Paul. Why? Because Paul also says this. I'm sorry. Paul says this in the verse before that. He says, "Live wisely among those who are not believers and make the most of every opportunity." Remember that this message is for Christ followers. Not only so you can have good relationships with each other, but if you look at this great commission up here, what side is it on? Right here. We're told to go and make disciples, right? We're told to go and do what happened here today to baptize. And because we have that responsibility, because we are representation of Christ, because we are Christ followers, we have to make sure that our words are seasoned with salt. Salt Bay for anybody who gets that. Lexi got it. All right. Seasoned with salt. What does that mean? I don't know about y'all, but one of my favorite snacks, and I have a lot of them, McDonald's French fries. I, I, I heard verbal mmms. I don't ever get verbals. I heard a verbal mmm go across the room. Amen. Amen. There we go. One of my favorite things is, is McDonald's French fries, especially when they're hot and fresh. Whoo, boy, I'm like Charles Barkley waiting outside the Krispy Kreme when the hot sign is out. But I think I like them because they're really salty most of the time, right? And salt, I know it's bad for you, but mmm, does it taste good. But what happens when you eat salt? You get thirsty, right? You get thirsty. When I get thirsty, I get me a nice tall Dr. Pepper. No ice, because if you're not finishing your Dr. Pepper before the ice, before it gets warm, you're doing it wrong. Again, don't take nutritional advice from the youth pastor. But my point is, as we eat salt, we get thirsty. The same is true with our words. When we season our words with anger and with hate and with contempt, with malice, with mockery, and all these foul and dirty words, we are leading people to thirst for the same type of attitude. We're spitting garbage out, 
They're taking garbage in. What are they going to spit back out? Garbage. Garbage. But when our words to others are seasoned with the salt that is God's love, when we choose our words to better reflect Christ, it will cause people, again, to begin to thirst. People will start wondering, why is the person so patient with me? Why are they so nice? Why are they so kind? Like, I'm mad at them. I want them to be mad back, but they're returning grace to me. What is, what is up with that? They're going to ask themselves these questions, and it's going to drive them crazy, and they're going to look for an answer, and they're going to run in to Jesus. And that's why it's important as a Jesus follower, we must recognize the power of our words. Your, wor- your words are the most powerful tool you have as a parent, as a teacher, as an adult, with kids, with people your age, with people older than you. Your words make a difference. Let's look back at that earlier verse in Proverbs. Remember, words kill and words give life. They're either poison or they're fruit. You get to choose. So I'm not going to lie. The bottom line from today is from Jason. So if anybody's offended, my email is, again, jasoncraft at mac.com. But no, the bottom line for today, and I completely agree with it, and I love it. The bottom line for today is we either need to build up or shut up. You don't know how excited I was to say shut up. I don't even let the kids say that. (laughs) James 3.10 says this. It says, out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. This should not be. Out of the same mouths that we're fixing to use to praise God, out of the same mouths that greeted people earlier in the meet and greet, out of the same mouths that we pray with, out of the same mouths that we represent Christ with, out of those same mouths. What's going to come out of that mouth when you leave this building? What comes out when you go to Walmart after church today and you hate using the self-checkout and you can't get the bags to unstick from each other and oops, I accidentally scanned something twice, so please wait for assistance. And you're already frustrated. You just want to get home and make some chicken for lunch. And here comes this teenager. And that's the person you get to take your frustration out of. Because they, that teenager, completely picked where they were working today. They're the ones that don't want to check you out. What happens when we meet that person? What happens when we go to lunch at Alma's across the street here after service? And all these church people are in there. So you might not get the fastest Service. You might have to wait a little bit for your next bowl of chips. What happens when we're faced with that? What kind of words do we use then? When we're put in a difficult situation where naturally we just want to not be salty. What happens, guys, when we go back to work this week? And I've been there, I get it. What happens when you're out on location and one of the guys that's under your charge royally messes something up? 
I remember when I messed up, my boss would come out looking like Babe Ruth. But what happens? What comes out of your mouth at that point? You choose. Uh, This is a good time for worship team to come back up. Let me tell you this. If you struggle with this today, today is a great day to start fighting it. Today is a great day to replace your harsh words with salted ones. It's a great day to replace arguments with resolution. To replace put-downs with encouragement. To replace slander with silence. To replace bad words with softer ones. To replace anger with patience. To replace insults with just keeping it to yourself. This week in Seattle was really good. Um, like I said, there was 11 of us. We actually got to partner with another church, uh, with the Methodist church, and we took 22 people all together. And of course, kids joke all the time, but, but I wish you could have seen the difference between these 11 kids that were strangers before or these 20-plus kids that were strangers before. When we got to the airport in Albuquerque to leave, you could tell the two groups because they sat about as far apart from each other as they could. And throughout the week, you just see these little changes. You, you see a change in how they talk to each other. Kids are always going to mess around with each other and, and tell jokes, but how, how helpful they became with each other. And it, it gave me hope. I was nervous to see how these kids would interact. But they chose to use kinder words. They chose to get along with each other. And, and just, that wasn't even in my notes to say, but I was, I was just thinking about it, and, and it was really cool. If, if kids can get it right, no offense, kids, but if students can get it right, I think we owe it to them to give it a shot too, huh? I want to end with this. I want you to remember this. Just about everybody that you encounter is often going through something that may not be obvious from the outside. But they're facing a real battle on the inside. Everyone that you come across is facing some kind of battle in their life. And I hope that you realize that you have no idea what God might do through a single word of encouragement. You have no idea how God could use you to offer someone hope and to build someone's faith. You may not be able to change the world, but you sure can change somebody's world. And our world is filled with some really messed up stuff. I can't open a news feed without seeing destruction and pain and and suffering. I walked around Seattle this week and we saw just brokenness, sadness, lost people that are just getting passed by or even yelled at because they're pestering on the street. 
I hear stories of conversations that people have on social media where they put each other down and they find ways to divide each other. And our political system just tells us we got to be on this side or that side. And the only thing in the middle is arguments. We send our kids into schools where there's a lot of hurting kids. Well, I think it's time that we change that. I think it's time that we as followers of Christ, we step up and we start lifting up the world around us through our words. We need to bring words of encouragement. We need to bring words of hope because the words we speak are filled with power. Our words can build up. Our words can crush. They can bring life or they can cause death. You choose. Let's pray. God, thank you. Thank you for being our Father, one that cares for us no matter what. Uh, Thank you not only for providing us with the guidance on what to do, on what not to do, but also coming full circle and, and being there to tell us what to do instead. Father, I pray that you guide our words this week and in the weeks to come, uh, that you give us softer words, Father, that you give us words that encourage, that you give us words that help people. Father, steer us away from bad words, from hurtful words. Help us find more common ground, Father. Father, thank you for the grace that you give us when we fall short of that. Father, today I thank you for Father's Day. I thank you for the men in this room that lead their families, that lead their friend groups. And Father, I pray for those today that don't have that cookie-cutter father figure in their lives here on earth. Father, rally around them today and every day. Remind them that you are their heavenly father and you are enough. And God, for those that need some kind of father figure, I pray that you make it evident and you send people from this room to help them. Father, as we celebrate fathers today, we celebrate you the most, Lord. We love you and we praise you for everything that you do. In Jesus' name, amen.